Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we need you. God, every moment of every day, we need you. I ask you to be with us, Lord. Now, in the moments, in the days, in the weeks, in the months to come, I ask you to be with us, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. and God, we seek to glorify you with every moment that we have, Lord, every breath that we have. And I ask that you would help us with that, Lord, because we need it so desperately. We need your help, God. God, be with us this morning as we worship you. Help us, Lord, to worship you in spirit and truth. Help me, Lord, that I would speak the words that you want me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles... I'd like for you to open up to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. We're going to go from there today. I want to start off with a question today. Um, How precious is life? How precious is life? You know, we go through our lives thinking of this question without actually asking it. I would argue that. That every moment of every day we're grappling with this question, how precious is life? And the way that we live out our existence is with this question in mind. You see, because there's a fear of death that we have that poses a great threat to our own value of human life. And when we do things in this life, we often have safety in mind while we do them. And the reason for this is because we want to live to see tomorrow. We want to live to see tomorrow. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to live to see tomorrow. I think the only reason or the only way that a Christian can get away with saying, oh, I I don't want to see tomorrow, is if we say, Lord, come now so that we don't have to see tomorrow here in this life, but that we can see tomorrow with you in glory. We want to live and see our kids grow. We want our grandkids to grow. Or so that we can grow deeper in love with our spouse, we want to live And so we have a value that we place on life because of this. Because of the things and the people around us, because of the life that we live, because of the way that we've been raised, because of the outlook of our future, because of the hope that we have, we want to live. And so we place that value on life. And so again, I want to ask, how precious is life? Is it just valuable in the sense that we want to live just so that we can exist? Or do we value life in the way that we think it's precious to us? Do we value it up here rather than just just a, a general value that we can place on it? And then I want to ask also, do we actually value life or is it just our own lives that we value? So do we value the lives of everyone? Do we value life itself Or just our own. So now let me ask you the first question, but let me rephrase it a little. How precious is your life? How precious is your life? When we personalize this question, we start to get down to the real feeling within us for value in life. I truly believe that 
when the, the, or I truly believe that we value life at, at some deeper level than we even realize. And some would say that this value for life is just instinct and that it is innate in all of us. It's part of our essence. But I would say that though it might be within us from birth, though it might be our essence, though it is innate, it might be innate, it could be innate, it is innate, whether it is or not, it didn't just appear out of nowhere. If we have a value for life, I submit to you that God has placed that there. God put it there. And through this value that we have or that we place in life, we have trouble because, because of the way that we value life, because we personalize and because we value our own lives and because we uh, think that our own lives are precious, we also have to grapple with the fact that the opposite of life is death. And so how does that make us feel about death? Do we grapple with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The truth is that we have a fear of death. And we do things and we try to be safe while doing them because we want to stay here a bit longer. Because we want to be around the people that we love for a longer period of time. We have a fear of death and we value life to a certain degree. My question is about the value of life, but it is also about whether or not we doubt our own salvation and whether or not we really have hope. Because within the fear of death are also those lingering questions. Do we just go through the motions in life, trying to get by with the old too familiar nod of the head when we see someone we know in the grocery store? Do we just try and get by with the all too familiar answer of doing good, doing good, doing good, when somebody asks us how we're doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Most of us say, okay, yeah, good. Most of us say those things, fine, we say fine, but do we mean them? Are we really doing good? Are we really feeling that smile that we give off in public? Or do we hurt on a much deeper level because we aren't really sure that when we go from this world, we're going to that place that is high and lifted up, that the Lord tells us is treasure like we have never seen and where the angels worship and sing. I want to read Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I want to read that again. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. So because we're human, because we share in flesh and blood, because we're people, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Who's the he himself? That's Jesus. So Jesus himself partook of the same things that through death, that he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, Jesus Christ existed before his life here on earth. It's important for us to know that. That he was not just a man. That he is both truly man, truly God at once. And that he lived in heaven with the Father. The Bible tells us in John 1 that all things that were made have been made through him. Through Jesus. He is the word of God and through him all things were made. He is the word that became flesh. 
he became flesh. So that means that he already existed before becoming flesh. He became flesh. So he already was, and then he became flesh. He is our eternal God. Jesus Christ himself, the Son, God the Son. And then he becomes flesh. He became flesh. When God was creating in the beginning, and he was talking to someone in Genesis 1, and he told them that they would create man in their image, who do you think that he was talking to? Well, he was talking to Jesus. He was talking to the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, he said, the Father. They were in the beginning, the Trinity in a conference. And remember when the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters in the beginning when he was creating the world. This is God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so God was in the beginning In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God was in the beginning. He's always existed. He is the first cause, the only one, the only being in all creation who's always existed, who was never made. In order for us to be able to go back, okay, well then who made him? 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 In order for us to continue to go back through eons of time, we have to come to one who's always existed that was never made. And that is God himself. He is the first cause. So God was in the beginning. And he had to become flesh to come to earth and live with men. And when he did this, he did it for a reason. He did it because he wanted to defeat the problem that we had made for ourselves. And so basically, what this place in Hebrews is saying is that he came and partook of flesh and blood. So that he could save those that were of flesh and blood from their own nature. He wants to save those that he became like. He wants to save those from their own nature, from their own sin nature, from our inclination to do what's wrong that we've had since the beginning, since the first sin in the Garden of Eden. Our nature is basically bad when we're born. We are completely unable to look to God for saving Without the intervention of God in our hearts first, he has to intervene in order for us to follow suit. God is always out in the lead. This is the sovereignty of God, that he is in control, that anything that he does, we are simply responding to him. We are completely unable to look for God or to look to God for saving without the intervention of God in our hearts first. The fact that we want to be saved by God is actually placed there by God. The desire for God comes from God. We love God because he loved us first, the Bible tells us. Not that we loved him, so then he loved us in return. But that he loved us first. That we love him because he loved us first. Not because we made the choice to love him out of the blue without him first calling us to himself, as John 6 tells us. We first feel the love of God in our hearts because of his calling. And then we respond with love for him in time. You know, when I was growing up, I, I, um, I had so many questions about God. I, I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to know if he even existed. Uh, and this drove me to great length to test my own life and thereby test God in the process as I was testing my own life. And I had doubt in my life as to his existence. I had doubt in my heart as to his existence. I didn't know if he was real or not. 
You see, but I, I had always lived with, with thoughts and questions about God in my heart, but I'd kept silent about this fact. And instead, I allowed other things and uh, substances and people, I allowed them to influence my actions. I allowed them to influence my heart. I actually gave them a space in my life. I didn't guard my life. I didn't protect myself from those things that would hurt me. In fact, I dove headfirst right into them. It took the intervention of God to get right with him. You see, because I needed saving and he was there to save. I had to become completely aware of the fact that I was unable to save myself so that I would look to someone else to save me. And when I, did, I, when I did go looking, I looked to the wrong things for this power. I looked to the wrong places for this power. I looked to people for this power. I looked to the world for this power. I wanted to put my own stamp on my own saving, on my own salvation. I, I wanted to have a say in everything. I was always out for control. And this is much like everyone else in the world before coming to Christ and submitting ourselves before him, giving him the reign the reigns over our life and letting him reign in our hearts. It's like I needed help with, with food. I was starving. My soul was starving. I was parched. I had no water. I didn't know where to go in my life. You know, it's like I... I uh, I needed help with food and I was starving, but when someone offered, I, I turned it down. Someone offered to help. It's like someone offering to help and they hand me a sandwich and I say, no thanks, I'm looking for a burger, but thank you, man. You say, but I, I got this sandwich, you're starving, you're hungry, you said you need food. Here's the sandwich, I have a sandwich, it's for you, it's right here, it's prepared. Here's even a table that you can sit at. Here's a drink, here's some water, and I say, yeah, but I'm looking for a burger, thanks though. Thanks. And then they would say, okay, well, see, listen, you're starving. You want a burger, I understand, but here's your sandwich. And so when you get hungry enough, when you can't find the burger that you want, this sandwich is going to be right here for you. Because I'm not going to rescind my offer. You see, in my ignorance and my attempt at control, I went out looking for the burger that I wanted on my own terms. And I wouldn't take the food that was freely offered. And all the while, I was making decisions in my, life, in my life based on fear. But I never tried anything else, out, anything outside of myself and the world. I just tried to look to the same things I already knew to help me. Uh, all my attempts failed. I never found the food that satisfied. I, I was left hungry and starving, sitting at an empty table, so to speak, in my life. And the thing is that I was the one who left me there. I was the one who put me there on my own, stranded and starving. I was the cause. I was the, uh, I was the reason. But then one day, the pain got too bad. And life had become as hard as it could ever get. And I made the decision to turn my life over to God so that I could be changed forever. And at that time, I don't even know if I realized that I would be forever changed. But I knew that I needed to be changed in that moment. And so I turned my life over to him. And when all this happened, I realized that I was, I was struggling to live. Just to live. Just to exist, I was struggling to live.
I was struggling to survive. I was walking around as a dead man, though I thought I was alive. In my fear of death, I I came to my senses as to my own mortality. And this is something that death will do to us, won't it? It'll get us real familiar with our own mortality, the fact that we aren't going to be around forever. And if I'm not here forever, then shouldn't what I do right now matter? Doesn't today count if I'm not going to be here forever? And I knew that if I, I kept on living my life the way that I was living it, that it, would be too, uh, it wouldn't be too much longer before I, I wasn't around anymore. I felt that I was on borrowed time as I lived my life. At this time, I started to realize the value of my own life. I had completely thrown it down the tubes. I had been acting like my life meant something, but in actuality, or I was saying that my life meant something, but in actuality, I was acting like it didn't mean a thing. The way I was living told a different story. I had believed the lie that the devil told me as a child. He told me that I could live life however I wanted and that I could make myself happy. I could make myself happy. That I could find the power within myself to be happy. That everything was in me. And this is the great lie that we can fix ourselves. He told me that if I just lived life on my own terms that I could control everything. He lied to me. But I didn't know it at first. I had no idea. I was following him unknowingly. I thought I knew God too after a while, but I, I didn't. I, I, thought it, I thought I was going to heaven too because I, was, I, was, I went to church every once in a while with my parents. When they, when they decided to go, I went with them. Obviously, they took me, right? I had no choice to go, but I went sometimes. And then also, I, like, I was baptized as a baby. I, I grew up in the Catholic church. I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Is what I thought. But I wasn't. You see, the devil had, had, had even stolen the truth from me and replaced it with a lie. And sooner or later, I didn't even care what was happening to me on the outside. Though I, I struggled with it uh, in, internally. I, I used to cry myself to sleep at night wondering if there was a real heaven. And, and wondering uh, if there was even a God that I was talking to when I prayed. Because, you know, sometimes, especially when we're lost and we're on the outside, sometimes it happens in Christ. But a lot of times it happens as, as I was on the outside looking in, in. I was trying to look in anyway into the things of God, into a, a better life. I was trying to look inside, but I was on the outside looking in. And as I was on the outside, I was struggling to see. I couldn't see clearly. And I didn't even know if I was talking to anyone when I was praying. And that's such a painful and sad reality that when we're talking to God, that there are times in our lives that we, we don't even know if he's listening. We, we don't even know if he's there because there's some, there's some sense in our spirit or some feeling in our spirit or in our soul or in our mind or somewhere. It's coming from somewhere, somewhere from the outside. And someone's trying to tell us, listen, man, nobody's listening to you. He ain't there. He don't care. Nobody's listening to you. But we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to know that God is there as we call. 
That he is there with us as we pray. And that if we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, we are sure that he listens and hears our cries. So, I thought that there was a God, probably, but honestly I didn't know if he was real. I thought that there was a heaven that I could go to. I, but I didn't know if it really existed. I, I knew there was a possibility. I thought I was living a good enough life, but, but I knew that it was going all wrong. Does this sound like the thinking of somebody who's confident? It doesn't, right? Because I wasn't. So, 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 so self-conscious, so unconfident, so I had no, I had nothing, I had no strength. It's insane. It's irrational, it's, it's inconsistent thinking, but this was me. This is who I was. And to top it all off, I was, I was pretending to be the person who had it all together. I was pretending I did have it together. I was pretending I did know what was up, but I didn't. I had no idea. I was ridden with doubt. I finally got to the point where I knew something had to change. And this is when God stepped in and he changed me. But the doubt persisted for a little while. The devil knew where he could get to me. If he could just make me doubt my own salvation, then he could get me to doubt God and his faithfulness. Even though I had given my life to Jesus Christ and had a ridiculously amazing experience, humbled at the foot of a cross, I still doubted. And I didn't understand everything all at once either. And this is just like the disciples that walked with Jesus. Though they, though they saw him do amazing things right in front of them, they, they still doubted at times. It happens, and, and, and it was happening to me. But just like when I was way off in left field, following the ways of the world, I knew this had to change. I knew that my life held more value than the devil wanted me to believe that it held. So I started getting deeper into the word of God, and I started praying every day, and I fell on my face, and I worshiped the Lord, and I confessed my sin to him. And instead of pulling me further away from the Lord, the doubt in my heart drew me closer to him, and this can happen in Christ. If you feel far from God, church, then get close. Then take another step forward. If you feel you've taken a step back, then take that step back forward. Regain your position in life because you haven't been lost. The Lord will never lose you once you're His. You see, this is what we have to do in our lives. We have to get closer. We can fill ourselves with all the intellect in the world, but when it all comes down, do you believe in Jesus and that he is as real as you or I? Do you really believe that he was a real man that is also a real God that died a real death because he really came down to this earth in the form of a man and partook of flesh and blood? Do you believe that? And do you really believe that when he died, that he did it to forgive your sin? And not only your sin, but the sin of all those people who would place their faith in him. Do you believe that? And do you believe that after he died, that he was raised from the dead by his father, by our father in heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that? Because if you do, then you will also believe that this whole thing that happened also defeated the stronghold that the devil had on the world. He defeated sin and death on the cross. 
and through his resurrection. This is our great God. Through faith in him we're saved. Saved because of his grace. No work of our own. Everything that was his. All the work that he did. All the prophecy he fulfilled. We are saved through the work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can ever do to warrant our salvation. Also good to know is that through faith, God wants for us to have assurance of faith. That he wants us to have assurance of our salvation. He wants us to know that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. John 10, 27 through 29 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Think about what that means, and I know them. That those sheep are known by God. The great shepherd, he knows them. I don't know about you, what you think about knowing somebody in your life or how many people you really know. But I'm talking about knowing somebody. I'm not talking about knowing things about them. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about seeing somebody somewhere, saying hi at some point. I'm not talking about the people that you, you know, you, you're chummy with at church, but you don't ever uh, interact with out in the world. You don't ever interact with them out in life. I'm talking about people you actually know. Like husbands and wives should know each other. They should know each other. Usually do. But we know that God knows us. And even more than we know ourselves, even more than our spouses know us, even more than our children know us, or we know our children, or we know our spouses, God knows us. We are known by Him. And that is a great glory to be known by the Creator of the universe, to be known by the God of all creation, to be known by the King. We're not some distant, far-off subject that just does the bidding of the king. We are known, and we are adopted in as children. And that's why we're known. Because we belong to him. Because we're his. My sheep hear my voice. Again, John 10, 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. I want to read that again. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives will come to me. And whoever comes, and that's everyone that the Father gives to, and all that the Father gives will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All that the Father gives to Jesus will come. And all those who do will never be cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Ephesians 1.13 In Him, in Christ, that means in Jesus, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We cannot break the seal of God, y'all. 
We cannot break the seal of God, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, in him also, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Nobody can break this seal. And we cannot also profess that somehow we can outsin God's goodness. That, and we cannot assume or believe that we can ever do something that is so bad that is more wicked than God is good. Once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. This is prideful. This is arrogant to think that we could possibly do something that would contradict the word of God and the promise of God in the assurance of salvation. God wants you to know that you need not doubt. You need only trust in Jesus. There are scriptures that seem to say that one could lose their salvation, but in these There is no evidence of faith, only of tasting the heavenly gift, which is what everyone does under the general grace of God. We live in this world lost until we come to Jesus. We are lost. We live in this world lost until we come. And when we are lost, we sin against God over and over and over and over again. And he still allows us to live. This is his general grace. This is the grace of God. This is the heavenly gift that's tasted. You see, God wants us to live with him in our hearts forever, with him in our hearts forever. And he wants us to taste today what he wants to give us for eternity. He wants you to know that he loves you. And that when the creator of the universe loves you, no, nothing will ever be greater. No gift will ever compare. He wants you to know that there is a great value to life and that your life is precious he gives value to everything that he's made and it is precious the reason why you are highly valued is not because you're so awesome it's because of who made you you were made by the great king and creator of the universe he made you He made us. Isn't this incredible? There are stars out there in the universe that make our own star, the sun, look like a piece of dust in comparison. God is huge. And we need to have a gigantic view of God. Because those stars that even make our sun pale in comparison as though it's a speck of dust in the cosmos... He made those stars. He made those stars. He spoke them into existence. Now that's power. Be trusting of the Lord. Love Him back. Because all this that God's done for us, coming to remove this, to free us from this captivity of the fear of death this captivity that we feel this captivity that we slide back into when we fear everything that's going on in the world he does all this because of his great love for us it's because of his love love him back trust him and love him back he gives value to everything that he's made 
and you're precious because He made you. I want you to be the children of the one great King and allow Him to breathe the breath of life into you for the first time. Believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and learn to trust Him and follow Him forever. Let's band together. Let's be His. Let's be His now and let's be His into eternity and know that we belong to Him and that once we do, no one will ever take us from His hand, life nor death nor anything in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 13-19, I want to close with this. By this we know that we abide in Him and that he, and he in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Are you ready to be in the throne room of God? And to sit before his judgment seat and give account for all the things that you've done in your life? He says it right here in 1 John. That fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I ask you, do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you've been perfected in love and that fear has no place in your life. But that if you do fear, that that fear is coming from and stemming from a place where you're afraid of the judgment of God. And rightfully so, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowledge. The Psalms and the Proverbs tell us. If that's the truth, then give your life to the Lord. Give it to Him once and for all. Submit your life before His. Let Him take His rightful place as the King of your heart. At the current moment in our history, we're dealing with a global pandemic that has many around the globe panicking and struggling through fear. Well, Jesus came to free you from that fear. Faith in Jesus frees you up to experience the true goodness of God in salvation. Galatians 5 tells us, it says it right there, that it is for the sake of freedom that Christ has set us free. For the sake of freedom, so that we can be free, Christ has set us free. Use your freedom in Christ to be faithful to Him forever. And not fearful. No matter what happens, let me tell you this, Jesus has not stepped off the throne, y'all. No matter what, rest in that truth. He has not stepped off off the throne. He has not lost control. We do. We lose control, but he doesn't. 
The writer to the Hebrews tells us that the fear of death subjects us to lifelong slavery. We'll be freed in Christ forever. Now, today, be free in Christ forever to love, be free to live, and be free to have hope for a better tomorrow. Let's pray. God, I love you. We love you. And we need you. God, help us through this time. Bring more to yourself, Lord. Your faithfulness rings through to the depths of our soul. Let that be the place from which we live. Help us to live in you, God, to abide in you forever. Help us, Lord, here, now, today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.